This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, however it applies. Uh, we'll get to here, you know, we'll obviously talk um, most recent Draft Network mock draft for Mock Draft Monday. Um, if they'd release them a little earlier, guys, it'd be a little easier to get it out earlier on Monday. Uh, we have news of the day to get to here as, you know, we're starting to get some of the roster cuts and cap space flexibility, um, all that stuff here. Some listener questions, we'll sneak those in as always, of course. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, um, Browns Maven, soon to be Browns Digest through SI.com's Mr. Pete Smith as we take you through here, your local experts on the biggest stories, all things Cleveland Brown wise for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound um, came out early. Our Darius Taylor obviously released. Then a slew of three, Demetrius Harris. Um, obviously, Eric Cush and TJ Carey. Um, all none expected. I mean, I'm sorry, none unexpected, I should say. Um, our Darius Taylor um, with two rookies who started to eat up the playing time towards the end of the year, even with Christian Kirksey's injury. The writing was on the wall. Uh Tay Davis became a better special special teams player than Ordaris Taylor. Um, and again, you know, everybody, if these are John Dorsey moves, you know, criticize. But, you know, this is where you start kind of trimming the fat. Demetrius Harris, uh, we'll get into it. The move never made sense at the time. Uh, a year later, it looks even worse than it did at the time. Eric Cush, um, interesting, possibly. We'll get into that as well. Um, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to say he won that right guard battle as much as maybe – he survived. Um, TJ Gary, TJ Carey, there were instances, there were flashes. Um, you know, we'll get into a couple of that. Um, but Pete, you know, 13 and a half million more towards the 2020 cap. Uh, right now projected around 62 million and change. Um, still one big name that should not be released. Um, one big name that makes for a difficult release to come, but uh, you know, obviously, you know, here we go. New front office staff, capologists, all this stuff. Uh, you know, it's time to get to work here. We got a combine to get to in a, you know, about a week and a half. Uh, right. So, um, our Darius Taylor was paid something like $2 million, I think last year for one tackle. Um, one on one, I think 352 snaps. Uh, but yeah, he has one solo tackle. That is his stat. Um, and TJ Carey's contract always looked like this was going to be an out this year. Uh, they saved just under, I think, $6.35 million, uh, by releasing him now. He's set to make $8.15 this year, and there's a $1.8 million cap penalty. Um, Harris and Cush are less about cost and more about fit or perception of fit and all that stuff. I was a little surprised by Cush just because he's cheap, and he could play three interior spots. Um, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, but, you know, it was this idea that's like these big sweeping changes, most of these moves were, were going to happen, or at least I should say, at least two of them were going to happen at some point, regardless of who the GM was. And it was, you know, if, if Dorsey's here, uh, I expect uh, they would probably have kept Harris. I don't, I don't know what his uh, opinion of Cush was at this point, but, those are those were easier decisions than than the ones that are coming later. Um, you look at it first. You know, and I'll go here. T.J. Carey. Um, 
and, and like you said, you know, this was maybe essentially set up where in year three, you were going to move on. Uh, you know, and obviously TJ Carey was signed to this contract before you drafted Denzel Ward at number four overall, before you spent a second round pick last year on Greedy Williams. Um, I'll always go back to that 2018 Falcon game. And yeah, Julio Jones put up statistics. TJ Carey graded off the charts, gave Julio Jones all he could handle that Sunday. Extremely impressive in the way he did it all. Um, all this time he was here, pros pro. Um, I go to the first Raven game this year. And I remember when we were talking about it during the week, Pete, and this is at the time, obviously, where Denzel and Greedy were nursing the hamstring injuries. And we both kind of agreed it may seem really weird, but it might be better to have Terrence Mitchell and TJ Carey out there this week playing the Ravens, uh, obviously with all the run, uh, you know, better, you know, veterans, uh, more established tacklers at the time. And that week it did work out. Um, Demetrius Harris, look, uh, you know, Anybody who listens to the show knows what we thought of Darren Fells. And what we were told was, well, Demetrius Harris is a younger, more athletic Darren Fells. Yeah, well, his hands weren't nearly as consistent. His blocking was not what was promised. He was paid a million dollars more. Um, simpler move would have just been to keep Darren Fells. I'm not saying it would have changed things greatly from 6 and 10, but maybe some continuity, uh, some continuity for Baker Mayfield. Uh, Kush, like you said, Pete, because he had experience left guard, center, right guard. It almost seemed like maybe he was somebody that at least, you know, you would have went at least through the offseason process with maybe even in a camp with and even through exhibition games and then said, look, all right, well, you lost a guard or two. I mean, this always kind of seems to be Kush's MO is, you know, kind of gets an opportunity to fill in, you know, for a five, six game stretch. Um, obviously, they never had huge faith in him. Um, they went out and obviously acquired Wyatt Teller. They were never thrilled with the way any of the right guard position was progressing as far as all of that. And Taylor, look, I mean, you know, Taylor for the most part was just, you know, and it's funny because the best NFL game our Darius Taylor has ever had was in 2018 when, when Cleveland went down to Tampa and he had a good showing that week. Um, this is an, you know, and Daryl Ryder, Darryl, stop doing this, you know, Olivia Vernon, Olivia Vernon. Look, if you're going to create cap space, maybe it tells me the reason you're going to create cap space is so you can keep a player like Olivier Vernon, who seems to have such a great blend with Miles Garrett. Miles is the ultimate playmaker, a playmaker and that such, whereas, and he's tending towards being a better graded player where Olivier Vernon is. You want that nice mixture at defensive ends. If one is the ultimate playmaker, you want the one that's going to be the one who's an assignment guy, which is what makes Olivier as special as he is. The difficult one, obviously, is Christian Kirksey. Um, Christian Kirksey carries his Cleveland Brown working for this organization, being a part of this organization. He carries it, and I always talk, like, guys like this, it reminds me of Nick Mangold, who was the center for the Jets all those years. He carried it like he felt his organization was equal to the New England Patriots without the success. Christian Kirksey has always felt the way this way about this franchise, has always felt this way about this city. When I first started covering this team in 17, he was a good player for this team. 18, Joe Schobert had passed him. And the one good game, the best game he had in 2018 was when he filled in when Joe was injured with a hamstring in the same Tampa Bay game, had two interceptions. Obviously got, what, you know, seven quarters in this year before the injury and the season was over. These are the moves that suck. And, you know, I think everybody would agree if Christian Kirksey would say, you know, what the hell, I'll stick around for another year. 
give me two mil. I think everybody would be okay with it just because they truly love the man and the person that he is. But, you know, will somebody else be willing to pay a little bit more? You know, and that comes down to Christian Kirksey and obviously what he feels is best for him, which makes for a difficult move. So Kirksey's probably the, the next big domino to drop. And guys, I get news for you. I don't see how Vernon becomes one of those players because you cannot get a guy like him without paying the same amount of money in free agency. And with this edge class the way it is, I don't see how it's going to line up where you can get one of these guys. Um, they don't have any leverage. Um, and that's sort of how these things tend to work. Uh, the uh, Vernon is set to make 15.5 million. Uh, they they would get no penalty if they release him, um, which has immediately, immediately prompted all these people to say, well, they're going to cut him, which theoretically could happen, but they don't have a backup plan. And if they release him, um, then they go into free agency with what is clearly a declared need uh, and they would theoretically have to overpay for whoever else they'd be getting uh, to replace them, which may or may not, you know, be just as problematic as what they're doing. Beyond that, they're not going to likely get somebody who's going to go for the year deal, which is sort of naturally fits into where they're going. Uh, This year allows the Browns to get their house in order as far as what they want to do with him. Um, uh, with that position after him, whether it's the draft, free agency, or both. But as as long as they keep him, they operate from a position of strength. And he is a good player. I mean, that's like it's, we're still having to do this, but he's a good football player uh, that uh, can help you. Obviously, he needs to be healthy. But when he was, he was the second best player on the team. The Browns had a decided advantage. Uh, with those two rushing the passer. So that's sort of where this team is at with that. Um, They they, they might ask him to take a small haircut in terms of his contract, but the reality of the situation is if they're they're trying to come in and, you know, say he needs to to cut, uh, you know, $5 million or something, he's probably going to just tell him, go ahead and release me because he can get that much from somewhere else. Uh, whereas if, uh, you know, if they come back maybe two or three million, they could go ahead and, and, and make that work. Um, but again, it, it, I just don't know what two or three million gets you in this situation. So I think more than likely they're basically going to be stuck with what they've got. Uh, yeah. And look, and, and for Vernon, I mean, it's, you get to this point where it's the age and obviously, you know, I mean, his camp tells him, look, the injury concern is part of it. Um, you know, what is your best thing? And the thing would be is, you know, if they say, oh, well, what if it's 12.5? Um, so what are we going to do? Try to chase down another team to get you one year at 12.5. You just maybe stick with where you're at. And obviously, you know, he understands that if he can stay healthy and he can play, Closer to 13, 14, 15 games, the opportunity would be there for what would be the next one-year contract. Uh, Playing alongside Miles Garrett, that creates a lot of opportunities for plays. And it's not like his play is not respected. It is certainly respected. Um, Disruption is production. Josh Norris, hat tip to you on that one. Um, So you you have all of that. And, you know, and the Kirksey one is going to make for a tough one. Um, 
in I remember this Pete towards the end of the 18 season. You got all these great, you know, post-game locker room where it was the camera painting the whole room and Baker talking and Miles talking to all these guys excited. It was courtesy of Christian Kirksey, who was just excited to be a part of it as a veteran who wasn't getting to take a snap. Yeah, I mean, his uh, sort of reverence uh, within the organization isn't questioned. He's a good representative of the team. He's, you know, he's totally bought in. He wants the team to be great. Uh, but he makes a lot of money, and he hasn't been able to study healthy. And I don't see how that. I, I don't see a situation where he's going to have to, where he's going to take like a seventy-five percent or eighty percent pay cut for that to make sense, unless he, you know, just decides to retire, um, which doesn't seem likely either. So maybe there's a way that works, but I think more than likely, just you know, he will go. Uh, they'll release him. You know, he'll go somewhere for a couple of years and ultimately they'll do the whole, you know, coming back home at some point type deal. But just in, just looking at it from a, how does this work? It just doesn't. Yeah. Cause I mean, even if it was just say one year, $3 million incentive laden with somebody else, it, you go do it. But you know, look again, this is a Christian Kirksey decision. Um, it's not really going to be a Cleveland Brown decision. It's going to be a Christian Kirksey decision. What is best for him? And maybe there could be the opportunity where he goes out on the open market, looks around, explores, and says, well, if there's a spot for me. Um, but, you know, Mac Wilson played more snaps than Christian Kirksey in 2019 than Kirksey played in 18 and 19. So, you know, there just comes a time where, you know, injuries essentially made him the odd man out. We're going to move on here, um, get to the latest um, draft network, uh, Mock Draft Monday, Mock Draft from – Benjamin Solik, as we continue to roll on here, uh, Zabel Apparel. Guys, I can never speak enough good words about him. Um, I've heard some of the ideas about what's coming out here towards the 2020 season. I'm very excited about it. Uh, I love Craig and his creativity. Love the family. Um, obviously, he's got two older children serving. He's got a younger daughter. Um, Craig himself is a former veteran. Again, it's never just you know what's cool and what's trendy and let's just get it up there. It's it, it, it's done through you know, having a lot of time invested in this franchise, whether it's being at games and a, a lot of tears shed over bad moments and, you know, starting to hopefully maybe see the good side of it. Um, so Zabo Apparel, S-Z-A-B-O, ZaboApparel.com, Zabo Apparel on Twitter. Go ahead, check out the fine folks over there. Uh, and, you know, look, everybody's in it. I like to promote everybody. If you got an opportunity to make a buck, make a buck. But Zabo Apparel, great folks. All right, Pete. Um, Benjamin Solik's latest mock over there, uh, two-rounder. And wait, it worked. It worked out perfectly. Tackles available at 10. Uh, ben went Makai Becton at 10 overall. And look, a lot of this is going to be about the combine. And you hear more and more that it's going to be a Worf show, a Will show, a Becton show. And maybe Andrew Thomas is not going to be able to show as well as these guys athletically. And obviously with the trade aspect of it, he dropped from 41 to 47, also acquires pick 109. And I think for this draft class, if you can get as many picks as possible within that top 100 to top 125, puts you in a real sweet spot and brings in at 47, one of my darlings of this class, Antoine Winfield. Uh, Did he trade? 
Yes, he traded down in the second round. Okay. Um, Antoine Winfield's a good player. Uh, it's a lot about medical and, and that stuff. Um, I think he'll probably test reasonably well. I'm very curious to see how his hips do. Uh, three cone and such. I don't think he's a free safety in the NFL. doesn't mean he can't do it. I just think he's better suited to be a strong safety. I think he can give you a little bit of versatility in terms of playing deep, but he can do things in the box uh, to make him valuable from that standpoint. Um, but Look, he's very good. Uh, as far as Makai Beckton goes, again, this, this comes down to can you consistently keep your weight to a point where it allows you to be in shape so that you can do the amount of moving and running and all those things that are, you know, inc- inclined to happen in this type of offense where, you know, not only are you doing this zone type stuff, which is going to ask you a lot of zone stretches and those type of things, which are going to have you – you know, running outside to get to a block, uh, you know, are you going to be able to make the adjustment if they want to go up-tempo? Are you going to be able to keep up with it and stay effective? And, you know, three, 370 pounds, he, he can be a freaky strong dude, but, uh, you know, he's going to have to – he's going to be hands on hips, bent over, reeling for air, potentially getting subbed out. Uh, you know, I mean, he can be as freaky as he wants. It's just, that's a lot to move around. So we'll see what happens. I, again, if he's at like 340 and, and tests real well and, you know, the 370 was basically a myth or one, you know, bad point in his life or something, I think it can become a conversation. But it's going to be tough uh, to get me to believe the Browns are really serious about that. But the more he can do, the hopefully the more the Giants are attracted to him and they go ahead and grab him at four. Uh, yeah, and there's no doubt, and you know he's he's coming at a good weight, and it's going to have to be something there. And there are questions about you know pass pro, and obviously his sets he didn't have as many pass pro reps this year as obviously some of the other tackles in this class. So you know watching those drills are going to be key, and you know how fast he can get back to his anchor. Um, and the other thing is though, if he does, if his playing weight is 340, 345, 350 at six foot seven, um, take some time to move around a building. Uh, so that's where he uh, brings it from there. But look, um, and there's certainly the playing of the game here and the way this front office is going to work. And obviously, you know, everybody, every time things come up, you know, with cutting, with cuts and, you know, with you know free agency and how they're going to play things, there is that Paul D. Podesta manifesto. And you know, trading down, acquiring assets, as many assets as possible within the draft because it can, gives you maneuverability. It gives you a chance to buy something on the open market when you may need it. Um, there's going to be at least one trade down, Pete. There's going to be. We all know it. It's just the way it works. And and a lot of it comes down to, and part of that manifesto is, you know, positional depth, positional availability, um, you know. If they want to hit on the edge class, maybe it's something they're going to be doing early because it, it it's not deep at the end. Um, also, maybe I think this is where everybody gets confused with the offensive tackle class is, you know, yes, it's great and it's deep, but we talk about this all the time. It's, well, if it's really great up top, you know, you don't want to be late to the party. Uh, so there's a lot of ways they're going to handle this, obviously, draft-wise. Um, and for everybody with, uh, well, just get a tackle and free agency. Well, DJ Humphreys just went for 
three years, which is essentially two years, 29 million guaranteed. So there's another name off the board. So Greg Robinson at left tackle, his name just keeps inching up towards the top as one of the top available left tackles. Just face facts, guys. You're, it's the best way to go. Would you rather pay more for Greg Robinson for another year or pay a Mackay Becton, a Jarek Wills, a Tristan Wirfs, or um, obviously Andrew Thomas? Would you rather pay less for one of those guys or pay Greg Robinson $7, 8000000 million? I mean, come on. I well, I mean, I think Greg Robinson might get more than that just by just by the nature of the market. But um, yeah, it's the the left tackle position gets paid a lot of money, uh, especially when you're stuck trying to negotiate, uh, you know, on the open market. The Cardinals locked up a guy that you know was theirs. Um, they drafted him. Um, they're now extending to a contract extension, but it's not on an open market. I mean, it, it is to the point that he was theoretically going to get there, but it wasn't like he was taking other bids. And yet still, you know, a little over $14 million a year. So it's just, it's, it's tough to think that, you know, some team isn't desperate enough to need that. It's, it's the nature of the beast. Um, and Pete, it's always fun because every now and then this time of year, you start to get these trickle down of, you know, oh my God, watch out for this name, watch out for this guy. And Pete, I know you're not a big wrestling guy, but son of Rick Steiner, the dog faced gremlin, Bronson Rex Steiner out of Kennesaw State, um, about 6'1, 6'2 ish, 230, jacked. And the funniest thing is, I was able to reach out to some people because, um, from Kennesaw State, uh, that's the same division that my alma mater, Monmouth University, is. So I kind of reached out to some people at Monmouth University. Um, and there's the rumors of them maybe running a 4-3. Um, they're like, well, maybe we don't know if that speed is that much. But, yeah, kid's a bull, hits anything in his way, um, and can do some things with the ball in his hands. Actually, threw a 60-yard touchdown pass this year. Um, but these names are fun. Pro Day is March 11th. He's not a combine guy coming out of Kennesaw State. Um, but when you're looking for that, you know, fullback, H-back, you know, overall nasty, mean old cuss that has no problem just, you know, basically putting his helmet into somebody's chest, it's going to be interesting to watch. And that's going to be one pro day, certainly, to have eyes on. So you said Rick Steiner, not Scott Steiner, right? Well, either way, I mean, you're going to want to, you know, test the living piss at him, of course. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um... He's not big. He's not big Papa. Big Papa Pump's kid. He's the dog phrase Kremlin's kid. But go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's um, <laughs> interesting. Is uh, so if he's he's a, I, I saw this. He's listed as sort of a fullback, running back, whatever. Well, Kennesaw State. It, they don't. They don't really throw the ball. It's you know more traditional. It's it's a modern day wishbone type thing. But go ahead. Did he actually produce at this uh, at this school? Nine hundred plus yards and eight point one yards of carry this year. All right, that, I'm at least I'm at least willing. Now to I'm intrigued. Huh? I said now you're intrigued. Yeah, I'm at least willing to look at it. It's just some of these, you know, and obviously Kennesaw State is not an NAIA school, but those are the, the you know when, when you see some of those like guys will talk about they're going to run like a four one eight and stuff. Uh, and you have to quickly remind the anyone. Well, first, that those things 
tend not to happen. And then two, you know, you, the, that level of school doesn't test at all. So uh, you have what is essentially the libertarian league of college football and that they're, they're not testing for anything and anything goes down there. And, you know, it's questionable enough as D3 level uh, with that, which does have testing, albeit I think only in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, so I'm curious to see what he does. Uh, but uh, uh, that would be one of those where I, I would, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see if, it, if it's worth the hype first. Because, you know, if it was that impressive, I, I'm surprised you didn't get a combine invite uh, just just for that. Um, Especially when, you know, the league is now trending more towards fullback types. Um, so there is, you know, that aspect of it, uh, listener questions coming here more from Pete and I, uh, on your mock draft Monday, lockdown rounds edition, your pit barbecue, um, John Vaughn, um, where I get along with John is one of the things I love most is football. One of the other things I love most, I'm going to fire up the grill here in a little bit afterwards is food and meat and preparing it and cooking it. And that's where John comes in. Uh, the restaurant in Vermilion. Um, brown specialty sandwiches, lots of meat, lots of mixture of flavor, some spice, whether it's chicken, pork, beef, be that as it may. Uh, John does a great job of blending it all. Um, specials geared towards the Cleveland Browns. Big fan. Um, anywhere near Vermilion, driving through Vermilion, you live in Vermilion. Go ahead, check out your pit barbecue. Go ahead, have a meal, talk with John, talk some Browns, um, lunch specials, hearty. Um, you're probably not going to need a dinner afterwards, but go ahead, roll on through your pit barbecue. Tell John we sent you and you know, have yourself a great meal with some great flavor, which is the whole key if you're firing up the grill. Continue on through here. We get some listener questions. Um, it, it's nice here because like we're starting to accelerate here in the offseason aspect of it. And this is the fun part. Um, you know, offseason draft process, roster building, all this is great stuff. But you know, now we get you know, combine coming up here shortly. So we fire this up and we have uh after today's cuts, including our own in Murray or draftees, it seems. Um, it's right now, Pete, um, look, slot is one of the big spots of Indian defense now. And this started years and years ago when teams started drafting a third cornerback high first round, um, TJ Carey did do this job. Well, um, it's something now where the, the draft process is bringing you these guys who play in the spots, uh, who play, who played this spot. Or who we're familiar with it. Uh, one of the kids is, uh, you know, out of uh, LaTeX, and Meek Robinson is one of them. Um, you're going to start looking for this guy. But for me, I do say this: Look, if Denzel Ward is going to be this overall top corner, and you play some of these teams who have, you know, where you're going to get killed by the slot guy, you know, do you have as Joe Woods? Do you take this and say, well, look, if it's a five foot ten, one hundred ninety five pound guy that's killing us? Do I take my five foot ten, one hundred ninety five pound cornerback in Denzel Ward and say, "Well, go take care of this stinking problem for me"? Um, certainly. I mean, you have Terrence Mitchell, who can kind of do some Richard Sherman like things. I'm not comparing him, obviously. 
Yeah, I wouldn't go that route. Um, You you can do that. It really just comes down to, one, who are you playing against? And two, what is your preference? Do you want, you know, because for years and years and years, the move was, you know, you get small, you know, smaller and smaller quick guys, and there still seems to do that. But some teams have gone to a bigger, stronger uh, player in that spot and using, you know, using some wingspan to take advantage of, of uh, you know being able to sort of get hands on and lock down a guy and, and I'll beat you to living death in the first five yards off the line of scrimmage, right? And just having you know a little bit of size that can do some other things. And obviously, you know because so many teams are living in nickel, you want somebody that can be you know a credible run defender. So you know that was where a guy like T.J. Carey was a good fit in that he was a very credible run defender and could do some of those things. Now, with that said, um, I I look at a guy like Eric Murray that can do basically what T.J. Carey was doing anyway, probably won't cost as much, and, uh, you know, can still do those things and, and give you some more depth at safety, uh, where T.J. Carey is obviously able to you know, do some matchup stuff in terms of going out to the boundary and being a corner. But uh, that seems like it's more likely to be the case uh, with, especially in this division, and not because it's some overly physical division. It's entirely because of, you know, you have Lamar Jackson, you have uh, Joe, you know, Joe Mixon, you have players that sort of demand you have a little bit more physicality in the box, uh, as opposed to rolling with just quick, quicker guys. Well, my thing with the Denzel Ward thing is, I mean, if you view it from the Cincinnati aspect, um, it's the, you know, and if A.J. Green returns, you know, it's Tate, it's A.J. Green, it's John Ross. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know why they're going to have all these wide receivers. It does seem a little weird. But it's, you know, Boyd is the one you got to worry about. And he kills you in the slot. So maybe find a way and go get another greedy Williams-sized cornerback and say Denzel get this done. Let's take care of this. This is the guy that essentially, you know, could kill us. So that's the one, you know, you're kind of worried about in that instance. Um, Here's one other question, David, Evan Smith, uh, and the Australia amount of Browns fans, it's growing and it's big and it's strong. And David's thought process was about, you know, Sione Taki Taki going to maybe more of a strong safety role. Um, The most difficult thing to ask no, it, it you know it doesn't really work. And David, I'm sorry for this. Um, you don't ever at this point you know want to take players who are 240, 250 and ask them to cut weight. Even asking pro players at any aspect to cut weight is difficult because um, usually the quickness doesn't come with it. It's almost the same thing of asking John Avery to put more on. What they are at 22, 23, 24, that's what they are. Just find a way to use them. Sione Takitaki has, has, has a usage, and it's more of you know playing some linebacker. And like we've talked about for a while, Pete, maybe he's more the traditional Mike in this scheme, but he also does bring that added thing where he is similar to Joe Schobert, where he does have that edge rusher background. And to take a linebacker every now and then who's got this experience and say, hey, we're going to let you maybe do this twice a game. 
or this opportunity or this situation looks really, really right where we think we could, it's going to work well for you against you know a right tackle who's big and slow. It's more of playing him up, not essentially playing him down. Uh, yeah, he's definitely more likely to move outside and do some rushing stuff than move back. Um, it's just, you know, first and foremost, it's about hips. And it's not to say he doesn't have hip movement skills, because he actually does, but not to the point where he's going to be able to do anything on a consistent basis in coverage, uh, you know, whether it's, it's tight ends or not. I mean, it's just a really difficult thing. The type of thing you do with a guy like Njoku, or uh, a guy like uh, Taki Taki is you put him head up over a tight end and basically jam and carry. You're not going to ask him to – you want to take as much space away uh, as you can, you don't want to make more of it. So uh, that would be that would be my thought process with that. That they're definitely not going to want to make it more difficult in terms of space. They want to, they would actually go the other way and try to reduce it. Yeah, I mean, you know, so he's a player coming north, and he's he's just got that two to him. It's just find a way. It's just a, finding the correct way of releasing it. And uh, you know, and making it an asset, and you know, maybe opening up what Joe does a little bit more, and you know, everybody who for the oh taking on blockers, well, it's the only talkie talkie do that. Let you know, Joe, let Mac scrape, and you know, go ahead and find their ways to the tackles. That type of instance here, uh, Pete Browns wise, league wise, combine wise, and guys over the next couple of weeks here, and everybody's like talking, you know. And it's not February 23rd. It's not Sunday. The workouts obviously will not start till, I guess, Thursday or Friday. So we'll start incorporating it in, and we'll do the pre-combine mock draft with the combine preview shows. We're going to do picks, you know, one through five. And as we do, you know, each position, we'll cover them all. Who cares? And this is one that comes from that Paul D. Podesta manifesto is, you know, well, everybody, well, what do you mean draft a quarterback every year? Well, it will. It doesn't necessarily mean one. It, it necessarily means possibly bring one in, and it's not bad math because if it hits, guess what? Even if your guy turns out to be a stud and Baker gets his long extension, and this guy shows well in limited opportunities, maybe he's got value to somebody else. But it also goes in hand in hand with not paying for depth. So you know, if you can get another signal caller in who you know kind of fits what you do, um, Pete, I do believe last year we were talking about a certain. Washington State quarterback who would have been really good as far as a Baker de facto type of guy. So yeah, I, know, I mean we were saying the damn thing about it, but I know I was. What? Oh, now you messed up. That's a lie. We got sh- and this stuff's recorded to prove it. But yes, yeah, I mean, right. but, I, I mean, you I, want I to find a guy who emulates your quarterback, and I remember who notably wasn't. Uh, so. My overall beef would be the the Mike Tomlin coming out and uh, or, uh, coming out and, and with the whole Miles Garrett thing, and I don't have a problem with him getting a platform to uh, make his case. What I do have a problem with is the 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 notion that he is uh, you know being treated as like he is you know this impartial, super credible person on this when he has not been remotely uh, impartial on this. He he still has uh, to this point been unwilling to accept any blame uh, and said that again. He was asked uh, by Stephen A. Smith if, if Mason Rudolph had any culpability in the best 
Stephen A. or the best Tomlin could muster was he struggles with that, uh, saying that the that Mason Rudolph was an active participant. That's as far as he went on it. So, you know, and that's fine. He's allowed to be a partisan person on this. He said it, they didn't do anything wrong at the time. They, he's still saying they didn't do anything wrong now, despite video evidence of everything else. But then he can't also be regarded as some sort of virtuous person on this fact when he's already made himself a partisan. And that's infuriating because some of what he's saying is not just be t- taken for as a matter of fact, which is to me just just absurd. And the thing is the Browns can't like send their head coach out there because their head coach is with the New York Giants and he probably isn't even allowed to do anything like this, but it, it just puts the position where now it's basically uh, Mike Tomlin versus Miles Garrett and Miles Garrett's not going to win that battle. Yeah, I mean, look, the whole thing at this point is just getting ridiculous because nobody has any way to prove this. So this consistent, he said it, I didn't say it, it's getting long in the tooth. Um, I, I went long on this the other day. I don't understand why, and I did look it up here, um, so we'll get to that in a second. I don't understand why Miles would continue to have to fight this fight. Um, We're talking about Mason Rudolph here, who Mike Tomlin literally said, I'm playing another quarterback because Mason Rudolph kills us. Kills us. So Mason Rudolph right now is literally fighting for an XFL 2021 opportunity. Um, Miles Garrett is going to sign a big old, fat, disgusting, sweet contract with more zeros than most of us can even freaking count. Um, yes, I like Tyree Jackson, but I said, if you wanted Baker Mayfield and you were looking for somebody like Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew was that guy. So with that, we'll put a ball on this. I, I, I looked up the tweets. I looked up the tweets, Pete. I did. I did. I did. Why are we giving you a nice little Tyree? And I give it, and you know, Mike Tomlin and, and he's got some weird blinking thing going on. And then there's times where they use this still shot, you know, good Lord get Mike Tomlin in a different light. And he keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't know what he's eating out in Pittsburgh, but he's certainly getting bigger. Um, Make sure you're following all the work through BrownsMavenSI.com. Pete and his team keep killing it. Obviously, you're getting everything, every story covered, Uh, you know, obviously cuts, everything as we start to roll on here, you know, combine, free agency, draft, all that stuff. Make sure you're following the dude at underscore Pete Smith underscore. The show itself at Lockdown Browns, all over case. DMs open, always a follow-back account. Anything you guys can do, you, you know, you bring me good stuff here. We can put it in the show. I appreciate it. Questions, thoughts. It, it, it helps make for a better show. It also helps know, you know, I can give you listeners what you want to hear. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Again, DMs are open over there. Um, again, anything you guys want to put in. Uh, with that, um, we'll start to roll into combine previews here. And obviously, you know, with what's going on here, I hope this $62 million and change means we get to talk about Joe Schobert being here for another three, four years, which would be fantastic. This is Ben, your daily delivery of all things dog. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.